0: So, so cool to be a part of all that God is doing across all of our campuses. You have chosen a great time to be here, OC211, South Venue, our friends online, wherever you find yourself. Thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, And we're glad you're here, whether you're a part of Bethlehem Church and you're deeply connected, you've been deeply connected for some time, or whether uh, you are coming back after uh, a season of, I was going to be gone two weeks and two weeks became two months, that ever happened to anybody, right? Or if you're just saying, this is where I've been invited, this is my first time I got friends, you're going to find all about what God is doing here. If you've ever been at a point, tell me if you know this, have you ever been at a point where you needed a little bit of encouragement, you know what I mean, where you've been discouraged by the events of life, by things that are happening in and around you, if you've ever been discouraged, you're here at a great time, because I promise you over the next few weeks, your spirit's going to be encouraged, and I'm going to contend it's going to begin today, this morning. If you've ever been in a place where you feel like you're in a malaise, you know what I mean by malaise, like you're in a fog, Like, you just can't get your head out of the fog, and it's not that it's that early in the morning, it's just that you've been in the fog for some time, right? You just kind of can't break uh, loose of that funk that you're in. I think you're here at a great time because I think God's going to break some things loose in you, and I think it's going to begin even in our time today. If you've ever needed a little bit of good news, I don't know about you, but my news feed is full of not good news. right? Full of all kind of bad news. If you ever need a little bit of good news, I'm excited you are here because I think God's spirits across all of our campuses are going to give you some good news. Every Monday for the last 10 years, our staff has gathered across all of our campuses, Oconee, 211, 316, wherever. Our staff has gathered for a meeting, it's called the one o'clock meeting. We've gathered at Mondays at one o'clock, and it's not a planning meeting. It's not a strategy meeting. It's not a meeting where we're laying out we're going to do this or calendar this, this, and the other. It's literally a meeting where we celebrate, where we celebrate all that God is doing, where we celebrate you and your families. And stories of life change. And we began it when there was about five of us on staff and a couple of 100 people that call Bethlehem Church home. Now there's about 60 on staff and about 5,000 a weekend that call Bethlehem Church home. And we've stayed true to that 1 o'clock meeting, right? We meet at Mondays. And when I talk to other churches, they're like, what's that meeting y'all do at Mondays? What do y'all call it? We call it the 1 o'clock, right? (laughs) Super creative there. We call it the 1 o'clock, That's what we came up with. It's called the one o'clock meeting. And we tell stories of your families, of life change, of how people got connected here, of how God is using you, of those of you across all of our campuses that put your yes on the table and you are still following Jesus even though life is difficult stories of addictions being broken stories of freedom being found stories of marriages being reconciled we tell story after story after story in fact can I tell you one or two of them right quick I think about the story of May and May drove past our 211 campus for months thinking she should stop and go in. Something just drew her, driving up and down Highway 211, but she never did. One Thursday morning, if you can believe this, her car broke down. Guess where it broke down at? (laughs) Right near our 211 campus. So she pulled into the parking lot at our 211 campus, and as she was waiting on a tow truck to come get her car, there was a men's small group that was happening in the building. They invited her in. They gave her some breakfast. Uh, and they begin to talk to her. She waited on the tow truck. They invited her to come to church. She actually, one of the dudes, uh, his wife and him, saved her a seat and she attended 211 that next Sunday. And she kept attending and she kept attending. Actually, she gave her life to Jesus and she was baptized. And this morning, as people walk in 211 campus, the first face they see is May as she greets them and welcomes them to 211. How cool is that? Right? I think about the story of Ethan. Ethan attends our Oconee County campus with his wife, and he attends with his in-laws. Ethan had religious roots growing up, kind of raised around some religious roots, but never really made a personal decision to follow Jesus. Faith or religious things were kind of at a distance for him. And he sat at our Oconee campus week in and week out with his wife, his in-laws, praying for him, listening. And a few weeks ago at the 9.30 service we were baptizing just like we were across all of our campuses, and he watched the people go public with their faith, and he heard their stories. The Lord sealed some things in his heart, and he went and found Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy, our Oconee campus pastor. He and his wife went and found Jeremy and said, we, it's time for us to go public with our faith. We're Jesus followers. We need to let the world know, and that next service, not the next week, that next service in their street clothes, they were baptized as followers of Jesus Christ. How cool is that, right? Right? I think about stories like Leticia. All right, Leticia lives near our 316 campus that we are now constructing two miles down the road from where I'm standing. And she drives by there going to work and just thought to herself, if a church is building that kind of thing, something must be happening at this church and felt drawn to come to Bethlehem Church. Her first service was in August. She gave her life to Jesus, and we baptized her three weeks ago. This is Leticia. How cool is that, right? I think about, y'all better keep clapping. I'm just getting going now. Don't be, don't be, let's go, right? I think about Brian here. Uh, I think about Brian who had an agnostic and Jewish background, never been in church. Some of his family came to Bethlehem church and began, he began to really wrestle with this idea of back in Romans one, the idea that behind everything, behind creation, there must be a creator. There's got to be purpose behind everything that we see and we know. We began watching online. In August was Brian's first. Or excuse me. In September was Brian's first time ever attending Bethlehem Church in person. And the first day he attended Bethlehem Church in person, he was actually baptized that same day. This is Brian, right? <laughs> uh, who said yes and is following. Jesus, I think about Amber who this time a year ago, last October, Amber attended Bethlehem Church to see one of her friends baptized. She started coming because she felt this contagious spirit. She began to come to Bethlehem Church week after week after week. Amber gave her life to Jesus, and in August, we baptized her a year after she began attending. This is Amber. How cool is that, right? And then I think about the story of Prisca. Prisca was born in the Congo, in Africa. And her life was marred by losing family members in hard circumstances. And she ended up getting to come to the United States. She serves locally in law enforcement. And some people who served with her invited her to Bethlehem Church. First time she'd been to her church. She was welcomed. She heard the gospel. She received her first Bible at Bethlehem Church, and she gave her life to Jesus, was baptized three weeks ago. This is preschool, right? <laughs> Church, I say all that to say these are names of people who are more than just have a moment in time that they remember. These are names of people whose lives have been changed forever by Jesus Christ. That is what we, the church, you and I get to do and get to be a part of. It's the only entity on the face of the earth, right, that celebrates eternal life change. And i to make sure you know there's a difference between a moment in time, a memory, and a life change forever. Make sure you get that. There's a difference between making memories and life change forever. What do you mean? All of us have had memories that we've made. In fact, two years ago, I gave you guys over and over again one of my favorite memories I have ever had. This is me in Indianapolis, right, two years ago when Georgia played in the national championship game. We hadn't won in 40 years at the time. I was two-year-old when we won our first national championship. This is me. He's my buddy who's a pastor in Woodstock named Jeremy. And we had box seats, if you remember me saying two years ago. We were in the box seats. And the Lord convicted me, because for three weeks straight, I told you I had box seats, and I should be humble. So I'm not going to say anything about it. But then, that was a box seat right there, okay? <laughs> On the 40-yard line of the national championship game. What a great memory. This is before kickoff. This is when we intercepted the last pass. This was what we looked like, right? Right? <laughs> This was where it was, me and this pastor right here, my buddy Jeremy, right? Listen, these are huge moments that you remember. You, when your team won a championship, you remember, right? But here's the thing about these memories. When you are a sports fan and your team wins a championship, that's great for that moment. Here's the crazy news. Next year, somebody else will win. Hopefully not yet, yet for us. We still got maybe one more in us, right? But in general... In general, the next year, and here's what I mean, a championship in a year, listen to me, it becomes a footnote in the history book. It becomes a footnote in a history book. I want to make sure you get this, church. Jesus isn't into making memories. Jesus is into changing lives forever. That's what we are a part of, and I don't want you to miss. Bethlehem Church, you're an extraordinary people. You are an extraordinary people, and you have a huge heart, and I never want us to miss all that God is doing in us. And listen, I get it. There are a lot of us that are walking through some hard things. I'm talking across our campuses. There are many of us right now that are walking through hard stuff and you're walking through problems you didn't ask for, and you're trying to raise a family in a complex world, and the world seems to be kind of affecting something, I get it. All I want to know, all I want to say for a few weeks is, is not, I think most of the time we get to a place in life where we think, when it's hard, does God see me? Does God see what I'm going through? And all I want to do is remind us, sometimes we ask that so many times, what if it's not does God see me? What, is, what if it's do I see as God sees not just here's my world, here's my thing, but do I see as God sees. In fact, your campus pastors or Pastor Matt here just showed you this booklet. This booklet is a gift to us a few, or a year ago I should say, we launched into the biggest initiative Bethlehem Church has ever been a part of. Because, and it's called because. And the reality is because is this, we love because he first loved us. Our contention for this season that we're in at Bethlehem Church, right, that we're at the halfway point of this season we're in, our contention is this, the church is a response is because of all Jesus has done. Everything in your life as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, is in response to all that he has done done. And for us, collectively, God has been so good to Bethlehem Church. God has blessed us. God is using this church. God is using you guys in this community. And because of that, a year ago, many of us put our yes on the table, and we believe God has more for the future than he has in the past, right? And the reality is what I told you guys, the number one issue The biggest pressure facing Bethlehem Church across all of our campuses is a good problem, it's a good pressure, it's a space issue. We are completely out of space. And just remember that while you sit in a traffic today when you leave. It's your fault, right? (laughs) There's all of us. Right? There's a lot of people and not a lot of space. And so we stepped into an initiative where it was simply this. If the people of Bethlehem Church will all step forward in a life of joyful generosity, 100% joyful generosity will take a step forward into that, not coerced giving to some random charity, but actually we would be generous and we would be generous toward the mission of God, that God could accomplish all that. All this is right here. This is what you're gonna need for the next few weeks. If you were here, this is gonna update you on everything we've done. Instead of me standing up here going, here's all this all in here. Pretty pictures, it's great, right? You can get it all. Now, if you weren't here and you're new to Bethlehem church, and let me say this, here's what this means. There's a thousand people more this time this year than we're heard than we're here this time last year. A thousand people. There's a whole lot of people that are like, I heard we're doing this and that we it's all in here, right? <laughs> And this is all in here, and you can find out about all that we're doing and how you can be involved. So you're going to need this for the next few weeks. This is If you leave this in your car, you're going to break my heart, right? And the Lord is going to deal with you in his own way. And so this is yours for the next few weeks. But instead, listen to me, instead of me going, hey, we put together, the team and I put together a snapshot of where we're going, and really all that God's doing amongst us across all of our campuses, and I want you to see it as we look to the future. Take it away, a snapshot of all that God is doing at Bethlehem Church. So what we set out to do was to mobilize hundreds of families that represent thousands of lives to impact a rapidly growing community. One church, many locations. One house, many rooms. What does it look like to call the church of Jesus Christ, to remind us that we're a part of the greatest cause, the eternal cause of Jesus Christ? That, that, that cause is the church, that Jesus said He would build His church, not our church, But the Bethlehem church is his church and that he would build his church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. In a time of darkness, what does it look like to let the light of Jesus shine bright? That what God has done in our lives because he has been so good to us, because we have been changed by the gospel, because our families are different because of Jesus, because we have a new purpose. What does it look like to unleash a spirit of generosity and take forward into the future the message of Jesus, the never changing, everlasting message of the gospel. Because God has given us all these things, we're gonna give our time and our money to Him and to build this church. Uh, We have leaned in more on trying to take a step of faith of what God is really wanting to do in our lives and in uh, the people's lives around us. We're excited to be a part of this because of who this initiative is going to be reaching for generations to come we're thankful that that God's about to do so many wonderful things and that we get the privilege to be a part of it um, and not only that we get to be a part of it but that our faith grows because of his generosity his generous spirit we get to witness it with the community of believers and that our lives will be changed because of it because of it as well so since we launched the because initiative what has GOD DONE, AS HIS PEOPLE HAVE STEPPED UP WITH OPEN HANDS AND A FULL HEART. OUR GOAL WAS 27 MILLION AND PEOPLE PLEDGED, THE PEOPLE OF BETHLEHEM Church PLEDGED MORE THAN 31 AND A HALF MILLION TO GIVE US A CHANCE TO EXPAND ACROSS ALL OF OUR CAMPUSES. THE FOUNDATION IS LAID AT 316. THE WALLS ARE GOING UP. THE NEW DESIGN AND LAYOUT OF OCONIENT 211 WILL BE REVEALED. I think about over 9,000 people that attended at Easter at one of our campuses. That we've added new services at our Oconee and our 211 campus. We added a Thursday night service at our 316 just to host the amount of people who are coming through. Every weekend there's a traffic jam, there's a traffic backlog to get on and off the campuses of Bethlehem Church. I think about the next generation, Uh, our Connect Camp, I think about our breakaway camp. I think about our SENT initiative. I think about how week in and week out we're partnering with local partners, serving the least of these, serving the marginalized, serving those in need. I think about our global initiatives that we have begun since COVID, that we've re-upped and believe God has more as we take new ground, not only being faithful in our community, but believing God has called us to the ends of the earth. I think about our dream team, our families with special needs that every week, 30 and 40 adults gather uh, and serve our church. That we're mobilizing, we're a church for all people and we're mobilizing everybody to serve the kingdom with their unique gift. The hundreds of people that serve week in and week out, both in our church and in our community in the name of Jesus. So as we look to the future, I'm so excited as the people of God Come before God with an open hand and our yes on the table. And because of the generosity and because of the growth of Bethlehem Church over the last year. Our new goal of 34 million allows us to move further and faster and expand more rapidly than we thought, as people are generous. That our 211 campus, and we're going to expand lobby space, much needed lobby space, and we're going to expand next generation space for students and for kids to serve more families. At our Oconee campus, to expand worship center space. At our Oconee campus, to expand next generation space and to increase parking as well. At our 316 campus, as we head down the home stretch in 2024, it is our intention and by God's grace to be moving in in fall of 2024 uh, to a brand new broadcast campus at our 316. What does that look like for so many people who have come on board, who are part of the Bethlehem church family? That in this season, our challenge is not just to be spectators not just to experience what God's doing, but be a part of it. Be participators, not be a fan, but be a follower. Maybe in this season, that for you it's a chance to make a new commitment, to make a fresh commitment uh, and say that not only am a part of Bethlehem Church, but I'm a part of the move that God is doing. And I've committed myself, my heart, my energy, my investment to the kingdom advancing here. For others of us, we've made commitments over the last year and we are faithfully giving as we come down the home stretch what does it look like that our yes is our yes and we complete we finish what we started in our commitments i want to finish strong because i want to see the name of jesus lifted up and 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 that's why i think bethlehem church does anything they do it's never about oh wow look at bethlehem church it's about what can we do that might bring one more person to Christ or closer to Christ and his name be lifted high. And for some of us, maybe God uh, has prompted that for us to even take a step further. I know for my wife and I, believing what God has, that, that we've increased and said, what does it look like to even take a step further than we thought in our generosity. We don't know what our in goal will be. We just know that that uh, Brittany, actually we were walking out here on a Saturday and we were talking about the Because Initiative and we were talking about how great it's going to be and how many people we can reach. Um, and she did not inform me beforehand, but her prayer was and has been that the number is actually five times larger than what we initially committed to. WHICH uh, TO to THAT I SAID, YOU NEED TO LET ME IN ON YOUR PRAYER LIFE A LITTLE BIT. (laughs) WHATEVER IT IS, AS WE LOOK TO THE FUTURE, WE'RE IN THIS TOGETHER. THAT WE CAN ACCOMPLISH MORE FOR THE KINGDOM. ALL TOGETHER, COMMUNITY OF FAITH, THAT'S WHAT THE CHURCH IS. BELIEVING FOR THE FUTURE, BEING FAITHFUL IN THE PRESENT, BECAUSE WE BELIEVE THE IMMEASURABLY MORE THAT GOD HAS Uh, will blow our minds. The immeasurably more that God has, that we're positioning ourselves as a church to see a move of God like we never have before. So how cool is that, right? That's pretty cool stuff that you guys, we are getting to be a part of. In fact, all the stories I just told you before that, those are all stories over the last few months. And those are just a few stories of the hundreds of lives that are being changed. Church, Here's what I want to say to you, and I don't know what your story of faith is. We're not called to anything new as the church. You know what we're called to? To be faithful in the time God has given us. We stand on the shoulders of the generation before us, and there will be people until Christ comes back that stands on our shoulders. The greatest thing I see in my seat as the pastor, the greatest threat to the Western church, I want to tell the church in America, the threat that we face as we look to the future. You and I, believers in Jesus, not doing anything new. What we're doing is being faithful in the time God has given us, faithful in the place God has called us to. When I look at the Western church, the American church, the greatest threat we face is not persecution. You can breathe easy. I don't think it's the greatest threat. Why? No doubt we live in a time where the church, the people of God, are being more and more marginalized in our society. I think we can all agree with that. Push to the side. I don't think, pers- uh, we have brothers and sisters around the world even now that will be persecuted for gathering this morning, right? At Bethlehem, or not Bethlehem, at the church of theirs. They will, they will go through persecution. I don't think it's our greatest threat in the Western church. Secularization, we've talked about that the last few weeks. Right, the last few months, the idea of the opposing ideologies that are warring in our time, no doubt they're out there and no doubt they're real and prevalent in, your life, in the lives of your kids and your family members, but I don't think that's the greatest threat. Can I tell you, as the pastor of Bethlehem Church, the church I love, you guys, that we're seeing all God's doing, our greatest threat is this one word right here, distraction. That's, that's the church in America's biggest problem. And all the busyness and all the hustle and all the bustle and, and my kid's got to be here and I got this and we're going to this place and we're doing this. and we're, What happens is faith just becomes a little aspect of our life that we get to when we're not too busy instead of realizing that we're part of the mission of God. We're part of the mission of God in a broken world. So for a few weeks, all I'm going to do is sit you down in the first church. Like the first people that were ever to do what we're doing. We're just standing on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. If you got your Bibles, real briefly, uh, Acts chapter 2, in fact, in the book that you got when you came in, it's on page 19 and 20. In fact, in this booklet, you keep this. If I haven't reminded you, this is your ticket back in next week. You keep this book. Page 19 and 20, this actually walks you through, through the first five or six chapters of Acts, where I'm going to spend the next few weeks just reminding us we're not doing anything new. and I want to tell you some things you see in the first church that I see in you guys. I told you you're going to be encouraged because I look out at Bethlehem Church and there are things that are true of you. Because if you know the book of Acts, it's the story of the early church. In fact, this church came to be after the preaching of the gospel. The first time the gospel's ever preached was by Peter. First time the gospel's ever preached was by Peter. Right? Jesus uh, raises from the dead, ascends back to the Right hand to the Father and gives the church his spirit. You can read about that in Acts 1 and 2. Gives them his Holy Spirit. Says, you're going to be my witnesses. After the disciples received the Holy Spirit, Peter stands right here on the southern steps in Jerusalem where I was in March. And obviously all of our hearts are heavy and our minds have in thought all that's going on in Israel and the surrounding areas. In fact, one of our partners texted me this morning who is there who is there texting me for prayer this morning. Uh, This is the Southern Steps in Jerusalem, in Israel. And Peter stands here and delivers the first gospel message. Says, from Abraham until now, this is who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the salvation of the world right here. And he preaches this message, and it pierces so many people. They go, what do we got to do? You can read about this in Acts chapter 2. I'm summarizing. What do we got to do? What must we do? And he says, you need to repent Turn and follow Jesus and let the world know that you're following Jesus by being baptized. And then here's what it says as the church was birthed. This is Acts 2.41. So those who received his, speaking of Peter's word, were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The day of Pentecost, Peter preaches the first gospel message. Their hearts are pierced and about 3,000 souls were baptized that day. Right? We're saved. And, let the, and you sit there and go, how oh, are 3,000 at the temple? I mean, how do they? And, and our, our arguments for years is how did that mean people get baptized? There's not a river right beside the temple. Well, if you stand at the temple where I stood in March, you see these little mikvahs that are all around the temple that were ritual cleansing pools where you would cleanse yourself before you walked up the stairs at the temple. They're all around the temple. I promise you this I stood there and looked at it. They could have baptized, baptized 3,000 people in about an hour. This happened, right? And then here's the church. This is the first picture of what you and I are doing 2,000 years later. Verse 42. They, the church, followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Can I encourage you right quick? This is the characteristics of the early church that I see in you guys. I want to make sure you get you are being faithful in your time. What has the church always done? In your, there's notes right there on page 19 and 20. The church has always gave themselves to the preaching of the gospel, right? And were dependent on God's work amongst them. When you first see the church gathered, this is true of what the church has always done. Gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. Right, the church gathered and they devoted themselves to the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and they placed themselves under that authority. Can I say this to you guys? When you gather week after week and place yourself under the teaching of God's word, do you know how radical and different that is in a day and time where our culture says you're your own God? You gather week in and week out, most of the time joyfully, right? Some of the times you come, most of the time, Joel, but you gather under the teaching of God's word, do you know? That's you saying, I am not my own authority, God is my authority. That's radical in our time. That's different, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know what a disciple is in scripture? The word disciple means learner, apprentice, that when you choose to follow Jesus, you are choosing to say, I am entering into a life of following Jesus and learning about Jesus day after day after day. They devoted themselves, gave themselves to the preaching of the Gospels, put themselves on the apostle teachings, and hear what they knew. They also knew if you study the early church, there were things only God can do, and there are things, there are people only God can change. They saw miraculous signs and wonders happen. The stories I just told you, there's nothing more of a miracle than somebody's life being changed, Right? Nothing more of a miracle. Bethlehem Church has no miraculous power at all. A miracle is when the supernatural invades the natural. That's all a miracle is. A supernatural invading the natural. Bethlehem Church, we, in and of ourselves, have no power. But what you will find is when people put themselves under the teaching of God's Word and acknowledge there's a God, and here's my, you know, Barrow County coming out, we ain't him, right? Right? There's a God and we ain't him. When we acknowledge that, boy, God begins to do something amongst his people, right? What do you mean? Here's the way I would say it. We don't have the power, Bethlehem Church, in and of itself to change a heart, but Jesus does. That's why we preach the gospel. We don't have the power to heal anybody physically. We have zero power, none of us in this room, but Jesus does. That's why we pray for the sick. Listen, we do not have the power to reconcile a marriage, to restore a family, but Jesus does. That's why we never give up on people. A.W. Tozer said this. This is what kind of become my mantra in life for this church. He says it like this. Anything God has ever done, he can do now. And anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. And anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. Church, we don't chase miracles, we follow Jesus. But here's what I know if you follow Jesus far enough and long enough, you will tread in the miraculous. Right? That's what happened with the early church. They saw God do what only God could do, and all who believed, listen to what it says, and all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as many had need. Can I tell you what's true of you guys? You guys, Bethlehem Church, across all of our campuses, You place yourself under the word. We see that God can only do what God can do, and we can't. Here's something else that's true about you. Bethlehem Church, you, just like the early church, you have given yourself to one another. Like they gave themselves to one another. That word fellowship. I grew up in a little Baptist church that they had this thing called a fellowship hall. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Fellowship. I was like, that's a a weird word, right? Fellowship. We don't use it a lot anymore. But what it really means is partnership. Right? That's what fellowship means, partnership. The idea that you and I together individually are part of something bigger than ourselves. When two business colleagues goes into business together, what they are admitting is we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're, we're, part, we're taking on a different venture. So if you're a Jesus follower across all of our campuses, here's what I want you to do. I'm a Jesus follower. Just lift your hand. Look around. Just keep it up for a second. Look around. You and I are in partnership together in, in something bigger than ourselves. That's what the church is. Like we talk about like, like my people, right? We always tell you, you see people with, uh, on social media, on Instagram. You, I posted a picture of my family when I was going on fall break uh, in Destin. And you'll see somebody post a picture of their close family or friends. They'll say something like this, hashtag my people. <laughs> right? These are my people, right? Your family and your friends, ooh, your people. But we do that because we love them. These are the people that we're... Can I say this biblically speaking? The church, these are my people. That's what biblically speaking... This is crazy in the South. But the family of God actually has more changing power in your life than your family of origin if you're in Christ. Like, the, the name on the back of your jersey, I know this is crazy for some of you, this is my name, this is my last name, and this is my family, near in the South, and family's the idol of the South. The name on the back of your jersey, whatever your last name is, let me tell you what that matters in eternity, zero. The name on your heart is the name of Jesus, and that's the name that counts for all eternity. And you and I are in this together. They gave themselves to one another. What does that mean? They all had their own lives, they all had their own possessions, but they leveraged what they have for the mission that was greater than themselves. It leveraged what they had for the mission that was greater than themselves. Look at this. You keep going here. They gave themselves to one another. And then look what it says, praising God and having favor with all the people. They gave themselves, put this down because this is true of you. They gave themselves to prayer and to worship, to worship and to prayer. They were praising God. Back in the first part, verse 42, the prayers were offered for all the people. Listen. Here's what we said. You and I are worshipers. Romans chapter 1, five weeks ago. You and I are worshipers. The issue is not what do we worship, but the issue is, or excuse me, what we worship. Not if we worship, the issue is what we worship. What do we give glory in? What do we put weight in? When you gather and you live a life that puts weight toward the glory of God, and when we pray, listen, every weekend, I prayed right before I came in here. With guys, every week at 11 o'clock, our staff gathers and prays for you. There are hours that are spent in prayer before we gather. At the end of every service, we have prayer teams down front to pray for you. Do you know, I can't count the amount of people over my last 12 years that I've laid hands on and prayed for healing and health and reconciliation. Why? The church gives themselves to the worship of the glory of God and the good of others by praying for others. They always have. You guys do that. And last, but not least, here's what I would say. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The church gave themselves to the community God placed them in. The Lord added to their number, we don't. The Lord adds to our number, we don't. We get to have a heart for the community we're placed in. The gospel that changes you gives you a heart to change others you want for others what you've experienced yourself the natural gravitational pull of your life of my life I'm raising both my hands this is not you this is me I'll just confess the gravitational pull of my life is to think about me myself and my family that's it heard somebody on the radio the other day say man I basically focus on me and my family and my business and that's it everything else is just commentary I thought that's a really good american way of looking at life me myself and my business and everything else is just commentary if that's the truth what i'm telling you is this the natural gravitational pull of the local church is to look inwards Me, myself, and I, how does the church meet my needs? Is this the church that fits my family? Is this the church that works for me? Is this the pastor I like listening to? Is this the music I like? Is this the ministry I like? Does this meet my needs? In a day and age that's dark, we circle the wagons and we sit around and pat each other on the back. That's the natural gravitational pull of the church. What I'm telling you is this, listen to me, the natural gravitational pull of the gospel is to look to a broken world. Is to look to a broken world. And so I want to end with a story I've sat on for six months. Because I just want us to remind us, as we close, this is what we're a part of. We're part of the church. The church isn't a man-made institution. Isn't some dudes in the back room going, hey, what if we build a building and get together and sing and, and somebody, that the, the, well, come on. I'll talk about, the church is the movement of Jesus throughout history and I want you to see where God cemented some things because in March of this year when I got back from Israel there was one spot that God sealed something in me. And you guys know if I get a good story I can't sit on it, but I've been sitting on this for six months to wait to this moment right here. It's the first time Jesus uttered the word the church, Ecclesia. first time he ever did it. Sears is called Walt Back Down. I, here's a little little hint across our campuses. I always give direction to where I'm preaching and where I feel like God's calling me to. I have no creativity when it comes to naming series. So our team names the series. You're like, that's a great series. Well, the team named it. I don't know. I just preach the Bible. Look at me. This series right here, I named it. Because this is the call of the church. To not back down. Everything in our society wants you to look in at your world and mind your business and just hope things don't get bad for you. The church is called to rise to the occasion. Caesarea Philippi is where Jesus first used the words, the church. And Caesarea Philippi was dark. It was the red light district. It was on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And Caesarea Philippi was a dark place, and by dark place, it was evil. Fifty-eight different pagan gods were worshipped in the town of Caesarea Philippi. It's where Jesus first used the word, the church. Caesarea Philippi, 58 different pagan gods. The main pagan god was this god called Pan. Half goat, half man, they would make a shrine. And the things they would do to worship the god Pan would make your stomach turn, they were so evil and deviant. In fact, they were so sexually deviant at what they would do at worshiping this god. What they would do, listen, in in a society consumed with porn, which is where you and I live, society's consumed with it, Hundreds of billions of dollars of money goes into porn every year all over. NFL, MLB, NBA, the porn industry makes more money than those three combined. Every year. You live in a sex-crazed culture. And I'm telling you right now, if I were to tell you what they did to worship this God pan, it would make everybody in this room uncomfortable, it would be inappropriate, and I would get an email, and rightfully so, that's how dark it was. Evil has always existed. That's how dark it was. So here comes Jesus walking with his disciples through Caesarea Philippi. Not a, not a place you take schoolboys, choir boys. Little kids in a youth choir, hey, no, this ain't where you go for them. So I, I picture the disciples, again, they all came to life. Matthew chapter 16, you can read this. It all came to life. Jesus is passing through Caesarea Philippi, the red light district, the worst place imaginable. And these little disciples who were following him, they're going, what in the world are we doing here? Right? They're going, hello, 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 hello. You know? They're like, we can't look. See you. Right in this place, you know what Jesus says? Hey, guys, who do people say that I am? And I can imagine them going, I don't think anybody says you're anything here. <laughs> right? Well, some say Elijah. Some say John the Baptist. Uh, I don't know. You know, some say, and then he looks, he goes, no, 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 who do you say I am? Peter, who was always the first to talk, gets it right this time, and he says, I say, you're Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're Christ, the Son of the living God. And, he, and, and Jesus looks back at him and goes, boom. And on confessions of men and women just like you, I will build my I'll build my church. I'll call out my people. Here's what he said. This is so crazy. And the gates of hell won't stand against it. We've all heard that. If you haven't, you just heard it's powerful. Let me make it a little more powerful for you. The worst place imaginable, he he predicts you and I. First time the word church is ever used, right there, Matthew chapter 16. In the dead center of Caesarea Philippi is this cave. This is the dead center. In this cave is where Pan was worshipped. Right here, this cave is where Pan was worshipped. They would enter in this cave. They called this cave right here the underworld. And when you entered in this cave, you were going into the underworld, the darkest place imaginable. This is there. Do you know what they called this right here? The gates of hell. So Jesus walks through the most evil place imaginable, and he stops. Who do people say that I am? Some say, some say, and he goes, who do you say? I say, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And right here at the gates of hell, he said, I'm going to build my church. The evil of our time will not stand to the power of Jesus Christ. The darkness of our time will not stand to the light of the gospel. Right? The brokenness of our time will not stand against the wholeness of Jesus Christ. The ugliness that surrounds your life will bow to the beauty of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Listen to me. The gates of hell lay in ruins, and the movement of Jesus, look around, keeps moving. No matter what this world throws at us, church, We rise to the occasion. That's the church. That's what we've always been. Will you stand with me across our campuses? If you're with your family members, I just want to end this. We're going to have a prayer time, and I'm just going to pray over you. And in fact, if you're with your family somebody you came, I want you to reach out and grab their hand for a second. A close friend, somebody, I just want you to remind, I want to remind us, we all collectively are part of something bigger than ourselves. So at Oconee at 211, right here with me in the South Venue, here's what I want you to do. Just be reminded this. In a dark world that's confused, with the ugliness around us. I just want to remind you that you're a part of something bigger than all that. You're part of the church. I want you to thank God and I want you to maybe those of us who casually just thought of the church, just thank God that just for a minute, right where you're at, just thank God that he saved you. I want you to remember that time when you said yes to Jesus. I want you to think about your kids. I want you to think about your loved ones. I want want us to be thankful that God called us and God chose us for this time. You're part of the church. And and whatever ugly is happening in your life right now, would you just claim the beauty of Jesus Christ? Would you just say, "I, I believe in the power? I believe in the beauty. I believe in the promise. Church, the gates of hell will not stand against the church. Let me tell you what, your kids' ball careers will come to an end soon. I know it blows your mind. You'll probably get another job. You're probably going to move houses at some point. The church is going to be there. The church always rises to the occasion, and you're a part of that. You're a part of the mission of God. Do not forget that. Raise your eyes. You're part of the mission of God. Raise your head. You're part of the mission of God wherever you're at across our campuses. Father, we love you, and we thank you for calling us to your church, that we have a heart for the lost, that we have a heart for the broken, that we don't underestimate what we're a part of. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody across Bethlehem Church campus has said, Amen. amen.